Hello, and welcome to my first podcast. My name is Mike Carter, and this is coming to you from North Central Florida, the soggiest place in the country, sometimes. I'm surrounded in my living room by a couple of cats and a couple of dogs who will hopefully improve the quality of the show when they decide to contribute. Uh, These programs will include a wide variety of topics and be presented in ways you might not be familiar with, so don't hesitate to stop listening and head over to Facebook and watch a couple of those marvelous cat videos. I'll try to limit each program to from 10 to 15 minutes. A couple I pre-recorded maybe a couple months ago will hit the 25-minute mark. It's funny my saying this because I don't know what's coming up except for the subjects. Lots of music and lots of movie stuff. Speaking of music, you might have uh, recognized the introduction from Miles Davis, a song called So What, from his 1959 album, Kind of Blue. A great album. This first podcast will include a couple of stories from my friend Sandy, who will aid and abet in a lot of these recordings. She spent time in New England and New Jersey, so the tales are related to those areas. I've never lived in the Northeast Coast, and I've never really wanted to, so both examples are alien to me, but they're still pretty funny. The first one is called Uncle Chubby, uh, like something out of a crazy comedy, but the story is true, which makes it even more interesting. It's hard to believe that Maine and New Jersey and Alabama and California and Arizona, where I spent my uh, teen years, are all part of the same country. So for a trip into new territory for many of us, here's Sandy reading Uncle Chubby. In the story, she refers to Al. Uh, that was her husband a long time ago uh, at the time and uh, where she got the story from. So let's give it a listen. Another family story that Al used to tell and his father George used to tell was a story about Chubby. Chubby Jude was Al's uncle, George's younger brother, and he was quite a character in his time. I guess he was a bit of an outlaw in his younger days. And besides that, he was a very good athlete. He had played semi-pro baseball for a while and even had a tryout with the Red Sox sometime in the mid-1930s, I believe. But after all that, he came back to Ellsworth to live. I'm not sure just what he did for a living besides being an outlaw and hunting during hunting season. And back in those days, people lived pretty frugally. They fished and they hunted, and sometimes that's all you did have to eat. I remember my husband saying that as a kid, he'd take lobster sandwiches to school because his father had lobster traps, and that's what they had to eat. They didn't have meat from the store, like bologna and ham and stuff like that. Mom just made up lobster sandwiches and sent you to school with lobster sandwiches, and that was that. And I suppose they also ate a lot of venison, too, as his father, George, and I guess most of the men who lived in the area back then, hunted. Uncle Chubby was quite well known as a hunter in his day, and that included hunting out of season and hunting at night jacking deer in other words, which is kind of frowned upon by the main department of wildlife. He was known to have a deer garden in the yard, planted to attract deer. The story goes that he was known to shoot out of the kitchen window. When it became known around town that the deer were overrunning the garden, the game warden gave Chubby's wife Hilda some deer repellent to scatter in the yard. Of course, Chubby dumped it across the street by the railroad tracks instead story had come out about Chubby and some buddies all being out one night, and they had successfully gotten a deer out of season. And news travels fast in a small town like Ellsworth, Maine, where everybody either knows each other or is related to each other or lives on the same street. And word got back to the game warden. 
and word got back to Chubby that the game warden was headed to his house. Well, he'd already dressed out that deer and had it hanging up in the shop, don't you know? But he knew the game warden was coming, and he decided he'd better do something. It was nighttime, of course, so he wakes up his wife and says, Hilda, Hilda, get out of bed. Go on up the street. Go stay with your sister tonight, why don't you? So Hilda gets out of bed, gets dressed, and runs up the street and stays with her sister. And Chubby takes that dressed-out deer, wraps it in a tarp, and puts it in bed in the bedroom where Hilda has been. Game Warden shows up, knocks on the door, says he's looking for evidence of a deer taken out of season, taken that night. Chubby says, I don't have such a thing, but you're welcome to come in and look around. The warden looks around the shop, looks around the garage, and then the house. Didn't find anything. Chubby cleaned up real well, no blood or guts laying around. He knocks on the door. He says, you know what's in this room? Chubby says, that's my wife, Hilda. She's in bed. She's got a bad cold. I'd rather that you didn't bother her, but you can look in if you want. The warden looks and sees blankets all piled up and pillows and stuff. Oh, no, I'm not going in. I don't want to bother Hilda. Hope she's feeling better soon. The warden leaves. Chubby had put that deer in the bed in Hilda's place. The warden was never wiser, and Chubby and Hilda and their kids ate venison for quite some time after that. Wow, we're not in Kansas anymore. I mean, how many of us have actually eaten venison, let alone put a deer carcass in our partner's bed? I know I haven't. Not yet, anyway. Now for something else completely different. This story took place in New Jersey during Sandy's childhood. We can relate to this one in various ways, I think. She just calls it eel fishing with two Dutchmen. When I was little, I would say maybe six, seven, eight years old, my father used to take me fishing with him. My brother was still too little to go. And my father would take me fishing with him. And we'd go to different, different lakes and ponds and stuff in New Jersey, and that was fun. We'd fish for uh, sunnies and perch and whatnot. But one weekend, I think it was probably Saturday or Sunday, uh, he and his older brother, Paul, my uncle Paul, decided to take me with them down at the Passaic River to fish for eels. So we got in the car, drove all the way down Lanza Avenue, down the Passaic River, which runs between Garfield, which is where I grew up, and Passaic and Clifton, which is on the other side of the river, to the Dundee Dam. Uh, the Dundee Dam goes across the Passaic River. There's like waterfalls there. I think at one time it was a hydroelectric generating dam. I don't know if, if it still is. Anyway, this is when I was little. I was maybe, like I said, six, seven, six or seven years old, kind of little. And we went fishing in uh, Dundee Lake, which is just the dammed up river up above the Dundee Dam. And we went fishing for eels. And I just thought, oh, well, I've been fishing before. No big deal. This will be fun. And I'm with my father, so that was always fun. And there were other people fishing, too. And we were standing on the bank of the river. Now, you've got to understand, back then, the Passaic River was not the cleanest river in the world. I'm not sure that it is any either now, but they have cleaned it up a bit. There's all kinds of manufacturing and stuff up above upriver, as there was then. Anyway, uh, most of us knew that if you caught a fish in the Passaic River, you, you, threw, you didn't eat it. You, you, know, you, you, took, you, you didn't take it home. You didn't eat it. But anyway, 
So we were fishing for eels. Well, I didn't exactly know what an eel was until the first one was caught. An eel is a slimy, long fish. It looks like a cross between a worm and a snake. It has fins. It's a fish. And the ones we caught were probably, oh, maybe a foot long, a foot and a half long. I don't remember them being any bigger than that. Um, luckily, they hadn't mutated from the chemicals in the water at that time. Maybe they were stunted from the chemicals in the water at that time. So anyway, we were fishing for eels. And of course, my Uncle Paul had to make sure that he dropped a couple of them on the ground. And they would wiggle all around. And he would tell me to get it, get it, Sandy, get it. Before you know, goes back in the river or goes in the grass or whatever. And I'd go like, ew. Well, anyway, we ended up with, I guess, a, you know, a five-gallon bucket uh, full of eels. Um, it was a nice afternoon. And my father and my Uncle Paul were fishing. Uncle Paul was considerably older than my father. He was maybe 14, 15 years older than my father. Um, he'd been born in Holland and then, you know, came over when they came over. My father was the youngest one in the family. Apparently eels are a Dutch thing, I don't know, or maybe a European thing. Um, he was all excited about this bucket of eels. Um, we got done fishing, I guess, and it got to be time to go home. And Uncle Paul says, Roddy, that's my father, Roddy, you going to take some of those eels home? And my father's like, uh, I don't know. And I thought it was just a horrible idea, but I was only a kid. Well, magically, a second bucket appeared and eels got poured into the second bucket. And, and Uncle Paul got in his car and went home. And I'm sure Aunt Flo was going to cook all those little rubber hoses into something. And, uh... My father put the eels in the trunk of the car and off we went to the house and I couldn't believe he was going to bring them. I couldn't believe he was going to bring those things home to my mother. Now, my mother was not averse to cleaning fish. She and my father for their honeymoon went to Lake Winnipesaukee and went fishing. You know, she was not averse to cleaning fish. She had cleaned many fish, cooked many fish. Well, she wasn't real thrilled about those eels. My father, the bucket of eels up into the kitchen. My mother took one look at this squirming bunch of like black rubber fire hoses and sent him back outside. We lived upstairs. He could go all the way back downstairs. I don't ultimately know what he did with the eels. I don't know if he just dumped them out into the vacant lot that was next to our house. I don't know if he... Uh, uh, put them to a mercifully merciful death by hitting them over the head with a stick or something like that. I really don't know what happened to those eels. I never want to see eels again. The reason I'm even talking about eels, I can't believe I'm talking about eels, but my friend and I were watching a movie last night called Frenzy. It's an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Really good movie. And in the movie, the wife of the chief detective who's working on a murder crime murder case is taking some fancy course in uh, continental cooking and she's serving him all these exotic dishes and the first one that appears in the movie is what she calls fish stew it's freaking eels it's eels and they have their heads on and they're looking at they're not alive of course but they're looking at the man and he even, he pokes at them. She goes back in the kitchen to bring out the next course, God forbid. And he's, he says, darling, 
what exactly is in this stew? And she says, oh, it's eel. And she rattles off the names of a couple other strange fish that I've never heard of either. And neither had he. And he just kept poking them under the under the soup. And finally, while she, her back was turned, she picked he picked the eel up and threw it back in the, the soup tureen. And how do you like? Oh, so good. So good. I'm so glad my mother did not cook those eels. I can't imagine what they would have been like. I'll never forget my eel fishing experience. I bet most of us have some sort of memory that parallels Sandy's uh, feelings um, someplace in our past, in our childhood. Anyway, I thought that was a neat story. Hey, I just had a thought. Yeah, I had one last week too, so don't you know freak out. Um, how about sending us one of your own stories, uh, short uh, to medium length, you know, like um, maybe two to two to ten minutes. Just write down some thoughts and put them in an email and then send them to us. And either the mellifluous voice Sandy can read it or I can read it in one of our next programs. And uh, there will be more programs, most about this length. I want to make this a weekly event. And uh, maybe Friday you can call it, uh, oh God, this is Black Friday. No. <laughs> the email here is gcarter1, as in number one, gcarter1mwc at gmail.com. Okay, I'm still Mike Carter, and I will be for some time, I hope, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.